0: Today I will be sharing from one specific passage, and I've titled my message today "The Believer's Identity in Christ." And my sermon is taken from 1 Peter 2:9. So, if you have your Bibles, please open your Bibles in 1 Peter 2:9. This is all that I'm going to just focus my sermon from this passage, one passage. Are you all there? The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.9, reading from the NIV, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Let's pray again. Father, in the name of Jesus. Help me to comprehend what your word is declaring to me, to my spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just, all of you have taken hermeneutics, I would assume, except probably for first-year students who still have not taken it. But we all know we have to study the scripture within context. So let me just give you a little bit of the context of this passage. The first thing that we need to understand is you need to understand that Paul was writing here, uh, not, not Paul, but Peter. Peter was writing to a persecuted church. They were not having a good time in church. They were being persecuted. They were being harassed. In fact, they were all scattered. They were running, some of them. They have to run. They have to abandon their stuff. You know, when you are being persecuted, you're just trying to save your life. You're not going to bring your, you know, beds or your clothes. I mean... A lot of times it's just what you're wearing, and so but they would still come together, and so Peter writes to them and said, "Look, I know this is their situation. You are getting persecuted, everybody." He talks to them like, "But look, remember who you are. Remember who you are." And he reads this thing in First Peter one two. You were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Yeah. I'm a royalty? What the heck is happening here? Aren't royalties the one in rule? Why am I being persecuted here? Really? And, and And then Peter tells them Oh, and by the way, you are to show forth his light. Huh? I hate these people. What do you mean? But they were persecuted they were in a crisis it's very interesting for us that sometimes we think when we are in a crisis we can stop our life and we don't have to be a christian we don't have to be a witness And because i'm having such a hard life you know life is hard you have to understand no the bible says you are it's the same and Paul is, uh, Peter said, "Yeah, I don't understand you're in the Christ in the midst of trials, Peter calls the attention of the believers to the foundational truths. What were these truths? Like, yeah, I know you're suffering, but let, let me remind you of some very very basic principles here that is founded not in my imagination, but this is this is the will of the Lord, this is the word of the Lord, this is what God desires for you." What is that? He reminds them of the election of the believers based on God's foreknowledge. He reminds them, look, I know life is hard, you're being persecuted, you know, there are people who hate you. But guess what? The the Lord knew already that this was going to happen. In fact, remember, He selected you based on His foreknowledge, your election, he chose you knowing that you will go through this. And you know, if God tells us that, you yeah, are right. If He knew this, you should have stopped it. That's not the thing. That's not the point. Don't we say that? Don't people reason to God? You yeah, know, if God knew that Adam and Eve was going to fail, why did He even create them? No, 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 no. You don't get it. God picked you knowing that you will go through this. Why? I always said this. And you probably have heard me say this. The level of difficulty that God allows you to go through is the level of confidence that God has in you. So when God allows you to go through some tough times, you should be thinking, my God, you really approve of me, God. I can do this can actually do this. You called me into this SEM thing, knowing that it's going to be like this. You still called me. My God, you really have confidence in me. It's not just confidence in you, but God has confidence that I am the faithful one. I can pull you through this. But will you have confidence in the one who elected you? Will you have confidence in the one who picked you? Or will you so focus on your crisis? Will you focus in your momentary troubles, then focus on the eternal, never changing God? What choice will you make? God cannot make the choice for you. You have to make the that choice. That's part of how God created you. You have that power, ability to choose. And then, and then Peter reminds them, look, He is merciful. I'm suffering here. There are some of the Christians who were probably persecuted, they probably were separated from each other because when the persecution came, they kind of run in a different direction and they probably have, you know, it's like when some calamity hits, you just run and then you start looking for each other. Like, some, I would imagine that some of that happened. But, and then Peter reminds them God is merciful. God is merciful. I remember one day when my dad is, when my dad was in his deathbed. It was my commissioning Sunday. You know, uh, my sister called me and said, Be, they called me baby. Okay, that's my nickname. Everybody, Filipinos have these weird nicknames. Be, I think Papa is going to be with the Lord today, but go ahead, go to your commissioning service. And then after that, come here. So I went to church. I didn't tell anybody. And I'm like struggling, worshiping God. I'm like, my dad is dying. I should be there. I should not be here. What am I doing here? I was struggling and struggling. And suddenly the worship team started singing songs about God is awesome. And and God started speaking to me and said, you worship me because I am God. And the death of your father does not change my power. It doesn't diminish my love. It doesn't diminish my mercy. It doesn't diminish my omnipotence. And for that, you have a reason to worship me. And as God downloaded the truth in my spirit, I raised my hand, I started weeping, and I said, God, you are an awesome, awesome God. How can I allow my crisis to dim the vision of your greatness? You cannot allow your crisis to dim the bigness of God. Because all the crisis in the universe is not sufficient to cover or to hide his omnipotence, his omnipresence, his mercy, his power, his glory. And I pray today, that God, you will have a glimpse of that truth. Paul said, "I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray, that you may understand how high the love of God is, the depth, the width of the love of God is. If we only know that, there is no storm that's going to 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 vanquish you. There is no difficulty you will not be able to overcome." Because you know that you know that you know that you know, my God is bigger than any of this. And my crisis doesn't change that. Death in the family, sickness in the family, trials, that doesn't change an iota of who God is. That is the God of worship. And if there's anything that grieves my heart, if somebody comes to me and says, like, oh. and I say, to open your eyes, don't you perceive, don't you see who your God is in the midst of this? Don't you know? Here you have an opportunity to know who your God is. That's how I look at crisis. Peter reminds them, look, I'm just in the context here and I'm crying already. New birth reminds them of another truth. The God is not just merciful, but you have a new birth. You have been given hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It doesn't look good here, but hey, there's resurrection. There's power of re- and Guess what? You don't have to. You have to just die to the flesh to experience the power of resurrection. The problem is, the reason we can't see is because we allow the flesh, our flesh, and Chancellor preach about that. Carnal. The carnal mind to take over. And then we sing, open the floodgates of heaven. Yeah, right? Do you even know what that means? We are new people. We have been given new birth into a living hope. It's living. It's not dead. It's living. It's living. It's living. It's living. It's not dead. There's no deadline. There's no dead end. There's nothing. It's living. Living hope. New birth. Through what? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because Christ rose from the dead. There is always hope. Regardless of how grim things are, there is always hope. Satan thought, yes, I got him. He's six feet under, he's in the tomb. He's done with. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, right. Three days later, he got the biggest kick ever. Lost all his tooth. All he can do is go, that's it. Satan is not all-knowing. Now let's go to the main text. <clears throat> Here's the other thing that he reminds them of. Look, remember this. First 1 Peter 1, 1.5 No, it's for certain, there's a certainty of God's shield of protection for those who believe. It's certain. It's 100% sure. I know you're being persecuted, but please do not forget God is able to keep those. Who put their trust in Him. God is able. Don't think that He's gone. Just because you're going through a tough time. No. He is able. But will you believe? But will I find faith in your heart? That He is able. And Peter reminds him this. He said. Who through faith are shielded. By what? Through faith will be shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. What is Peter saying? Look, after the last day, after the end times, God is able to protect you. So don't worry about it. Don't be fearful. Because he's able. Maybe you are not able, but he is able. So Peter gave these words to them, wrote this entire epistle just to encourage them. And how did he manage to encourage them? By reminding them of solid foundations in the scripture, of what is available in Christ Jesus. And then he moves to the next level. He said, let me remind you again who you are. You are not just a, per, some persecuted bunch of people. That's not who you are. How other people treat you does not define who you are. Yeah, but my dad said I'm a loser. That's why I'm like this. That doesn't define who you are. Yeah, but somebody abused me. How they treat you does not define... How you respond to it is what defines you. But you don't understand the background I came from. Oh, we can talk about it day and night. I can give you stories upon stories about background. I have a choice to make. Do I make my background... Define who I am. You talk about child abuse. I also went through that. Oh, but you don't understand. It's from it's from a family member too. Oh, but it was just physical. No, it was sexual abuse too. I went through that. And I have a choice to make. Yeah, but you don't understand. It was so hard. Get up. Enough already. You keep letting the enemy steal what he has already stolen from me. Why? It happened in the 60s. So what? It happened. It doesn't change God's power. It doesn't change the fact that God redeems it doesn't change the fact that God purifies and, so, and and solidifies you and establishes you. It doesn't change that. Now, my choice is this. Will I choose to be here? Or will I choose like, God, you are my redemption. You are my king. You are my salvation. I will cling to you and nobody is going to take me away from that. That is a choice you have to make. So stop being pitiful and having a pity party. I'm not attending your party. It's no fun. Peter reminds him, who are you? Number one, he says, you are a chosen people. Oh my gosh, how many people are there in the world? No. Seven billion people. God looked down in heaven like, hmm, I choose you. Really? Have you ever been when you were a kid, you know, and you like, yeah, yeah, singing songs like, oh, I pick, and you how, you know how how bad you feel when you're the last person to be picked? Like, And you're like standing there and your team leaders are picking who will be part of their team. like, pick me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And you're like, oh, I'm not getting picked. Pick me, pick me. Because the last person to get picked is what? Loser. (laughs) Right? We all go through that as kids. But guess what? Here is God the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, that every name, every one, every knee shall bow at the mention of his name, the one who created the heavens and the earth. And he goes, "Hmm, I pick you. Me? God? Really? Yeah, I pick you. And you know what? You know, if you if you grew up being the favorite, you know, you, you'd like your father, you always want to impress your dad, right? Yeah. I always want to impress my dad, like, I have to be a good kid, you know. You know, if you can just translate that to the heavenly father. And you know what? My sisters accused me of being my dad's favorite. I don't think I was. I just knew how to obey him. And because I gave him the desire of his heart, he would shower me back with like, oh, yeah, I can trust her. I was the only one in a of family of six girls who can go to a party and come home at two o'clock, and I never get any anything from my dad. You know why? I would tell my dad, I will be in this house. These are the people who will be in the house. You can check on me throughout the night, and I will be there. And I will be home at two sharp, or I will be home at eleven. Never failed. Two, I'll be home. He will go spy on me. I didn't mind. I gave him the permission to spy on me. He will check. Huh. She did say that these people will be here. My sisters, and I don't want to throw them in the bus, but this is what they do. (laughs) I love them. I love them. My sister is watching right here in Philippines. But a few of them, not all of them, would... Take their clothes, put it in the trees, and sneak out of the house, and a change in the woods, and run off. And my father will find out about it. And I'm like, this is not good. And they will sneak. And, you know, every guy, those guys here, if there's anything you hate, it's lack of respect. Hey, you, here's a dad. He's a guy, right? Like My children don't even respect me. Hey, I was... I was it was annoying to him. I, I knew I would hate it when my dad will not allow me to go someplace and I would just run to my room and cry. Oh, it's so mean. you know. But I have learned never to defy this authority even if I don't agree with it. And because of that, he gave me favor upon favor upon favor upon favor. Guess what? If God is merciful to us as sinners, imagine if God lets the rain, shine, uh, rain fall on us and the sun shine on us even when we were yet sinners, imagine how much more it will please God to bless us when we are just delighting in Him. That's why the book, the book of Psalms says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's not about God. I mean, we already are all gods, but God, look. What is this? If I drop it, what happens to it? God doesn't have to make it fall. Because the law works that way. The law of gravity works that way. God doesn't have to punish you. God doesn't have to do anything. You violate a law, it works on its own. Oh, God is punishing me. No, He's not. You just decided to step out of line. Whatever goes with stepping out of line, it goes to you. God didn't do that. It's just the way it is. So stop blaming God for your misery because a lot of times you caused it. You are chosen. God chose you. It, may, it from, from the Greek, eklektos means those selected or picked out. And in the scripture usually defines one who is the object of choice or of divine favor. Omar can can relate to this. When he looks at his daughter, like oh his heart just melts. He's the object of my favor. Anything you want, my daughter. Oh. Why? God looks at you like oh. You're the object of my favor. Remember that. When you're going through a tough time, you're having some conflict with your professors. I mean, I mean, you messed up. Don't even think like, oh, God hates me. God must hate me for this to be happening now. But maybe there's some things that you need to work onto. Maybe you need to walk in alignment of a person who is chosen. Now, don't be a brat. Some kids, when they are chosen, then they just take advantage of it. They become a brat. We don't want to become brats. We were chosen in Christ Jesus. But of course, course, 1 Peter 2, 4, 8 says, Peter says, of course, not everybody understands that. Because there were those who stumbled on the cornerstone Jesus Christ who God laid as a foundation for the church. There were people who never understood that. But I pray today you understand it. That in Christ you were chosen. Matthew Henry has this to say, All true Christians are a chosen generation. They all make one family, a sort and species of people distinct from the common world, of another spirit, principle, and practice, which they could never be if they were not chosen in Christ to be such and sanctified by His Spirit. Second thing, who are you? You are not only chosen, but Peter said, look, you are a royal priesthood. men, Royal priesthood priesthood. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Every girl here probably dreamt of being a princess. Yeah, every girl, very few girls grow up without having costume. They want to wear the tiaras. Everyone, you will see people, even adults, walking around in the mall with a tiara you know, because it's their birthday, you know, looking like fools. I don't care. I'm still a princess. I, it's my birthday. And why? Because at the heart of every person, you want to be this. Every girl, I'm a princess. Guess what? God says, you don't even have to pretend that. I already made you royalty. So, it's okay, (laughs) you (laughs) know? You are already a royalty. He said, I have not only chosen you. So, you definitely banish the thought that you're a loser. Because you are not. Because God chose you. But you are also a royalty from the word basileus. That which belongs to, is appointed to, or is suitable for a king. God looks at you and says, Ha! You are suitable to be my child as a king. To be a king's child. I'm taking you. I'm adopting you. In fact, I'm purchasing you. With the precious blood of my son Jesus. You're valuable. That's what it means. You became a royalty because God added that value to you. You became a royalty in Christ Jesus. And then God said, look at you and say, you are suitable for a kid. Now, girls and men, ladies and gentlemen, sometimes you end up dating somebody, You, you sell yourself short because you think you're not valuable. Yeah, which guy will take me seriously? You know, this is good enough. Good. Don't do that to yourself. I've seen, I've seen like women love the Lord, smart, good looking, ended up being with a loser. And I'm, I'm trying, I'm not trying. I'm like somebody who just beats them up. And, and I'm like, it's because I'm not good enough. No, God said, I made you suitable for a king. What are you doing to yourself? Value yourself the way I valued you. If there's anything, if there's anything that hurts a father, is that when their daughter or their son is short-selling themselves because they think they're no good for anything. You think, those of you are parents, you think, I have never been a parent, but I, I raised my a, a lot of my nieces. I took care of them when they were growing up. And I, you know, I mentored a lot of kids in church. And if there was anything that made made that breaks my heart, it's always when a person loses sight of their value and throws their life away. It always breaks my heart. And I think I said, God, you gave life to us. We sold ourselves to sin, and you bought a second. And that now we're selling ourselves back to sin again. Why do we do that? It's painful to the If it hurts me as an individual, I can only imagine the pain that is in the heart of God every time we do that. We forget that we are royalties. Carry yourself as a child of the king. Don't walk around like you're orph- Walk with dignity. Present yourself as a person who God declared you are suitable for a king. That's who you are. And I don't care what background you come from. I don't care who raised you. The word of God says. I look at you. I picked you. And I said, you're worthy to be in my court, suitable of a king. The idea is you are fit for a king. It describes one of kingly ancestry of which there is relating or befitting a queen, a king, a queen, or other monarch. And then he goes, Peter doesn't stop there. He said, "You're not just a royalty; you're a priesthood." Whoa, what does that mean? I have also called you to stand between God. Really? God? The Holy of Holies? The great I am? The one who created everything? You call me to stand before God and to mediate as a priest? And I want to encourage you today. I want to exhort you. Please, please guard your witness. Don't just wear anything that will ruin your witness. Don't just say anything that will ruin your witness. Don't just post anything on Facebook that will ruin your witness. Remember who you are. Don't forget who you are. You are a priest. But I'm only a student. No, you are a priest. You have a job. Do you think people, monarchies... You know, princes and everything. You just see them going in different places. You know why they get in trouble? Why tabloids talk about them? Because they do something that is not applicable, that is not suitable of a king, that is not suitable of a prince, that is not suitable of a princess. They start messing around, and so people gossip about them because even the world expects kings to behave in a certain way. So stop comparing yourself to. Non-royalties and start be, stop behaving like you're a non-royalty because you are a royalty. Stop coming to school dressed like like whatever, like a cyclone just hit you. If you are invited to the to the, to the you know White House, I'm, I bet you will go shopping for clothes, won't you? Oh, oh, oh go invited by the president. Better dress, you know, polish my shoes, you know, take a bath, shampoo, you know, get perfume, you know. I, I, Look, any president of the world is nothing compared to God. We have become so comfortable around God these days. We just kick back and relax. We are God. Like drunk stumbling in the presence of the Lord. Or we just behave when we're in chapel. Because David Wiley is watching. Have you forgotten that the presence of the Lord is everywhere? Whatever you do in the bathroom. Whatever you do in the classroom. Whatever you do in the mall. God sees it. Nobody should be policing you. Nobody should be reminding you of rules. It is written in your spirit. In your hearts. Live as God's people. Stop looking at at rules. If you will just be the chosen people that you are, if you will just be the child of the king that you are, if you will just live up to the call that you are a priesthood, trust me, you will look at these rules and say, Huh? That's it? I'll keep going. The offices of royalty and priesthood were jealously separated in Israel. But Jesus, who is our king and priest, has brought them together for his people. Those two were like, hi, like, you were in this, wow, you're king and you're priest. Ooh, wow. You're either a king or you're either a priest. But then in Christ, what did Jesus do? You're both, you're those two. You're a king and you're a priest. I don't know about you, but I'm pretty pumped to be reminded of this. I'm like, who? Oh. Oh. Then it, Peter doesn't stop there. He keeps going. He said, Not only are you chosen, not only are you a royalty, not only are you a priesthood to represent me before you to, to mediate between man and God, but you are a holy nation. Do you know when you are, like, those of you, I'm not an American citizen, right? I'm a Filipino citizen. I have uh, legal, you know, documentation to stay here and to to work here. But there are privileges that I cannot enjoy because I'm not not an American citizen. Like, if you're a student here, and you probably will not be able to avail of, and you're not an American citizen, you probably will not be able to avoid, uh, uh, you know, financial aid get financial. There are privileges. But when God says, look, you are my holy nation. What is God saying? I'm giving you all these privileges. You are a privileged people. When, w- But here's, here's what we do. We stop with holy. Oh, that is so hard. And we forget, holy comes with the word nation. You know what Spider-Man says? With great power comes responsibility. Great responsibility, right? It's the same thing. Because God has given you privileges, you have a responsibility. Do not squander it off. And God says, look, here's the guideline. Holy road. This is the holy road for you. You don't go there. That's not. No. You have a responsibility. You and I are held to a different standard. Why? Well, why? But the others, it should be okay. You know, the other colleges are doing that. <laughs> well, you're called to the fivefold ministry. You know? You're not just called to work in Walmart or something like that. I'm not, I'm not speaking down on them, but you have a different calling. You, and God gives you privileges for that. But don't think, I'm a privileged person, then therefore I can be a fool. No. You cannot live your life like you're a privileged fool. Because I have all this money I can just spend, it. no. Because I have all access to the financial aid, I just keep cashing in, cashing in. No. You have that privilege, you protect the privilege, and you take care of it, and you don't squander it away. The, the nationality is this. You know, every every country, they have a flag. This is what our flag is. The word holy nation means, it actually means, you are holiness unto the Lord. That is the token of our national. How do we know that the person is a Christian? They're raising the flag of holiness. Their life is a sweet-smelling incense before God. It's a worship unto God. It's not just how, how fast, you know, you you sing here and you jump here. It's not about that. It's your life. Everything you do, everything you think, everything you say, everything you th- you just plan to do, everything you set your hand to do, everything you see like, this is the work of a holy man. It bears the mark. Of a person who is a child of the king. Who has been chosen. Who is holy. It means you are marked off from the rest of mankind as peculiarly his. So they're like, yeah, but people think we're weird. Yes, you are weird. Accept it. We are peculiar. That's what the Bible says. Why aren't you fighting it? Don't fight it. People in in the world will always find you que- weird. Sorry, <laughs> weird, peculiar. Huh. What happened to you, bro? Something happened. Huh? You are marked off. God said, "Like, mark your mind, set apart from them." No, your mind. You are not. And you are not to be as other men are. So, what if they're doing what was that? Harlem shake. People yeah, all colleges are doing it. So, what? You don't have to do it. You get me? You need to see. Lord, what will I have to guard my witness? What are the things that will advance the kingdom? And finally, you are a peculiar people. Let me just read it. You are not and you are not to be as other men are. Your road is not the broad one where the many go. It is the narrow one which the few find. Your happiness is not worldly pleasure, but pleasures at the right hand of God, which are forevermore. You are a peculiar people. So stop fighting it. God already made you different. There's one thing that young people want. Like, I want to be different. You are already different because you're a Christian. So don't try to be weirder than that. Okay? And finally, he said, you are a people belonging to God. You don't belong to yourself. You don't belong to your parents. You don't belong to your church. You belong to God. That means we are, literally, that word actually means we are God's property. We are God's possession from the Greek peripoiesis. uh, To make around oneself and then to acquire or purchase means that which is acquired by purchase with the corresponding idea of preservation of that which is purchased. We were bought with a price and God is committed to the preservation of everything He purchased for us through His Son, Jesus. Don't ruin it. You are God's possession. You are not even yours. You can't even have your own dreams. You can only dream God's dream for you. You're a bond servant of God. There's privileges, but there's responsibility too. Why did God do this? Why would God pour such a like like give us this identity in Christ Jesus? Why? One reason. He said that you may declare the praises of Him. Who called you. Out of darkness. You and I were called by God. Out of darkness. Why? So we can party? No. So we may declare the praises of him. So that once we are in the light. We continue to shine. As his light. As God's light. And reflect the glory of God. So other people may know. That there is hope. That there is mercy, that there is love. This is the reason for your existence. This is the reason for my existence. God set me apart, picked me, made me a royalty, made me a priesthood, and said, Guess what? I'm giving you all these privileges, but hey, you're mine. And it is now my will, not yours. Question to you today in closing. How are we living our lives? Are we living it in accordance to how God really called us and see us? How do we fulfill this call to be a royal priesthood, chosen, a holy nation? How do we do it? We have to live up to who we are in Christ. We have to declare the praises of God. We have we have to live a, a personal. We have to have a personal witness that will bring people in. That's why I, I'm very big because it's it's just grievous. When people are so careless with what they lay like on Facebook or what they say they they post on Facebook, it's just funny. We're not that is not the purpose why God took us out of darkness to be funny. Do you see that in the Bible? I have redeemed you out of darkness into light so you can be funny and be cool. No. Do not sell your birthright.